NFR. NFR Extra is a podcast dedicated to the Wrangler National Finals Rodeo and features icons and personalities that embody the Western lifestyle. When you really boil it down, it is hunters were the original and still remain the primary conservationists in North America. But yeah, 40 years old, we're up to about 230,000 members. Yeah, we try. Like, uh, we're very proud to be the, the, the sponsor of the national anthems at the uh, NFR, and we work with Las Vegas events to help identify those artists. And that's now grown into the opening acts as well, and just upping that entertainment value you got the Super Bowl of Rodeo there. It gets no better. So how do you kind of build the ancillary pieces around that to make it an incredible experience for all of the attendees as well? And we've been we've been very humbled and honored to have the opportunity to work with Las Vegas Events and PRC in that capacity. Hey, everybody. This is Steve Godert, and you're listening to the NFR Extra. Well, this is one that is near and dear to my heart um, because the gentleman that runs it is very passionate about the industry, and that is the Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation, and we are joined by Mr. Steve Decker. Steve, how are you doing today? I'm doing well. hope you guys are doing well. Yeah, we're doing good. Um, tell us a little bit about the Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation and the history, what got us to where we're at. Yeah, so um, we're actually planning right now to celebrate our 40th anniversary Next year, so we started back in 1984. Um, we are a conservation organization, nonprofit focused on ensuring the future of elk, other wildlife, and their habitat. And we do that through a variety of different programs. We can talk a little about a little bit about it if you'd like. But we're headquartered here in Missoula, Montana. Um, we have chapters throughout the United States. Um, the chapters primarily work to raise funds that we then direct to a variety of different, again, programs that serve our conservation mission. Um, but yeah, 40 years old, we're up to about 230,000 members. Um, we, yeah, we just, uh, hard to believe we're gonna be 40 years old, I know that. Yeah, and that and over the time, uh, Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation really has done a tremendous effort in uh, increasing the awareness and the population for the elk herds in North America, especially in, in Montana, where we call home. But tell us the hunting is conservation on how that all comes into play. Yeah, so if you go back in history, um, just over 100 years, elk, along with a lot of other species, were in peril, um, really kind of on their last legs. And that was essentially through the settlement of the Western United States, um, there was a lot of commercial activity around bison, elk, other wildlife, and really not regulated. And hunters are the first ones to really step up and say, listen, these are renewable resources, but we need to manage them for, for sustainability. And so through a variety of measures, one just being regulated hunting, the allocation of tags, um, and also then the revenue that that generated by purchasing tag um, hunting really and hunters were the original conservationists that really invested in 
not only the, the wildlife management side of it, but setting aside the habitat that sustains the wildlife that we have. And, you know, fast forward, when we started in 1984, there were uh, far fewer elk, to your point, than there are today. You know, uh, we've helped with restoration of elk in states like Tennessee, Kentucky, um, helped the Pennsylvania herd come back, Virginia, West Virginia more recently. Um, those were places that elk were gone for literally a, almost 100 years or just in excess of 100 years. Uh, so it's, it's great to see those herds kind of reestablished. It's created elk hunting opportunities in those states. While limited, they're still growing and, and more opportunity as time goes on. So when you really boil it down, it is hunters were the original and still remain the primary conservationists in North America. But you're not just talking about herds, too. You're also talking about land and property management as well, correct? Yeah, for sure. Like, and that's one thing when we look at our investment in Western lifestyle and when we see what we have, you know, we're very fortunate as a country to have a lot of public land, but we also have great expanses of private land that actually sustain and support a lot of wildlife, whether it's, it's mule deer, white-tailed deer, antelope, elk, these other game species that we so passionately pursue. We have to take our hats off to a lot of private landowners that that, that winter a lot of these animals uh, that spend some time on public land and some time on private land, and primarily in the winter on private land uh, when they're in you know landowners haystacks and, and being a little bit of a nuisance. You know, private land is an important mix piece of the of the puzzle, I guess, that really affords us the elk, I guess all of the herds that we have. Yeah, that's something else too. That you know, I mean when you talk about that and a lot of people that may not live in such harsh environments might not understand, but like you said, the hay and the water accessibility on the private land that these farmers and ranchers, and, and you hit a very good point too, that this is a renewable resource and the people that are in part of that for production agriculture, they know the essence of having a renewable resource, that it's something that comes back around, but how important that is to be maintained and like kind of this, the soul of Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation is to manage, is that managing aspect is such a huge role on a healthy elk herd and healthy populations to be harvested. Yeah, yeah, without question again, it's, it, it takes a lot of different uh, collaboration again from you know, these expanses of public land that actually have, you know, grazing opportunities to help sustain some of the cattle operations then in turn, you have wildlife, public resource, spending time on private land. In a lot of areas, that works really, really well. And it's, I think, a really a really good approach. It's, again, afforded us really a wealth of open space and wildlife in, in North America. And I think it's a model that has worked and continues to work, even with in you know, this last few years, as we've seen more and more people fleeing urban centers to get a little piece of uh, their own heaven, I guess, uh, it still continues to work, uh, and we've seen this pretty big population shift here in the last couple of years, more people going to more rural spots. Yeah, and it's it's pretty crazy, too, because you listen to, like, you know, Joe Rogan, he's got the number one podcast yeah. in the world, and how uh, avid of a hunter he is, Cameron Haynes, you kind of go down the list of these guys that are have gained a lot of popularity um, via their success for hunting and the dedication that they have in that, but also... It, it, I feel like in 2020, when the world kind of got turned upside down and there was a lack of groceries available in stores, it almost seemed to kind of light a fire for that, uh, you know, kind of the 
the man that wants to go out there and hunt and provide for his family. Did you guys see anything like that? Or is that just maybe my misconception that there was kind of a big surge in the interest in people that wanted to hunt? Yeah, it, it, you know, I think it had been brewing for a while before that. I think there's been an interest in this next generation of knowing where their food comes from, having some responsibility to it. But, you know, COVID was like a light switch. In fact, if you go back and look at, you know, license, hunting license sales across the United States, absolutely spiked um, in that post. Now, it wasn't just toilet paper. It was other things people yeah. couldn't get toilet <laughs> Having a full freezer, there's a certain amount of comfort in that. And, you know, for a lot of Americans that don't run cattle or don't have access to that, hunting is that closest thing they have to ensuring that they have some food source, uh, you know, a good good source of protein. Um, And we did see that initial spike, and it's actually maintained uh, fairly well, even as we've gotten now further from those shortages, I think. People do realize that it can happen now. Yeah. So, Steve, I, I live in Florida, so we, we obviously have a lot of outdoor activities, whether it's hunting, fishing, things like that. But we, we don't have elk. But I, I do think there are a lot of people that come from my part of the country and love to do um, outdoor activities in the Northwest and in the West in general. So my question is, how do people get involved with the Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation, even though they might not be elk hunting today? Uh, the easiest way to find information on this is our website, rmef.org. Um, there are certainly ways there you can join, donate, become involved, and obviously ways to, to learn more about us, what our mission is, and, and what we, we represent, stand for um, as an organization. But I always just reference people to the website's the best source for sure. Let's take a quick pause and we'll be right back. Want to relive the best NFR moments from the last 37 years? We've got you covered at nfrexperience.com. Check out the NFR history tab at the website for a walk, or should we say gallop, down memory lane. You'll find images, recaps, and videos from the greatest moments from the last 37 years in Las Vegas. From Ty Murray to Trevor Brazil, Louis Field to Casey, Charmaine James to Mary Berger, Fred Whitfield to Joe Beaver, and everything in between, you'll find it here. There's something for all rodeo fans. Check it out at nfrexperience.com because legacies and memories are made in Vegas. We were kind of talking earlier on, too, about that. Uh, I think I've been 11 years with the junior world finals and I remember when we would go over and it was, we hadn't quite matched yet together. They would, you guys would have, it was the Rocky mountain elk foundation Christmas. And then how did that come together with the cowboy Christmas and the Rocky mountain elk foundation presents uh, the hunter Christmas? Yeah. You know, it really started with us kind of subletting in a booth, in Cowboy Christmas in, you know, heck, this was before 2000, maybe 15 years ago, 16 years ago. And we had great success there and knew it was the right place for us to be. And I think it was 2012 when Bo Gardner and LV started the Fan Fest portion of Cowboy Christmas. And I immediately said, give us whatever we can get. So then we really, at that point, had our own footprint. 
And it just kind of grew on that. In about 2012, we had this idea, more of the hunting and outdoor industry, how could we bring more of that to NFR? It's, yeah. it's again, talk about a marriage made in heaven with the hunting and outdoor side with the Western lifestyle rodeo side. Sure. So in 2014, I think we did a four-day show in the Central Halls while uh, Cowboy Christmas was in the North Halls. And then we actually got kind of lucky and decided to go all 10 days, move everything to the South Halls, and it just kind of took off from there. It was, the early days were tough. I wasn't the most popular person in the world being upstairs <laughs> Cowboy Christmas and having those groves of people downstairs. I had exhibitors like, why are people coming upstairs? Like, the, the Junior World Finals was a big piece of drawing people upstairs and, and kind of getting them at least exposed to our side of the expo. And I don't know, in the last few years, it really started to take off. And then last year, it was ridiculous. Like, we were we were just overrun with people, which is great for our exhibitors, great for our folks. But we also knew, in working with Ryland and, and with, with Bo, we needed to take more space and you'll see that in this year's layout, you know, adding the the central halls, just spreading it out a little bit where people can actually breathe a little bit. But that's kind of a little history of yeah. us and, and how and we kind of acclimated into uh, Cowboy Christmas in the NFR. Yeah. It, it was kind of one of those things like we, you guys were building, you know, logs on top of logs and all of a sudden somebody lit a match and it really took off. But also what you guys have done, um, and again, like you said, I think that there's probably a big buildup coming to this, but, you know, even people like Black Rifle Coffee Company and everybody that sees the value in that, and it's not everybody that hunts ranches, but pretty much everybody that ranches hunts in some form. So like you said, that perfect marriage kind of came together. But what you also offer there is not only incredible exhibitors and everybody that else is coming in, but entertainment is you guys have really, really grown the entertainment side. Yeah, we try. Like, uh, we're very proud to be the, the the sponsor of the national anthems at the uh, NFR, and we work with Las Vegas events to help identify those artists. And that's now grown into the opening acts as well, and just upping that entertainment value. You, know, you have the Super Bowl of rodeo there; it gets no better. So, how do you kind of build the ancillary pieces around that to make it an incredible experience for all of the attendees as well? And we've been we've been very humbled and honored to have the opportunity to work with Las Vegas events and PRC in that capacity. And then, of course, that extends to some of our after the rodeo is a, is an important part for a lot of people that go to Vegas. And you know, we've partnered with the Palms um, Resort. I'm really really impressed with uh, the Palms and the renovations that they've done. It's an incredible property. Um, we're going to help produce a live viewing there uh, for those folks that can't fit into Thomas and Mac every night. I think it's going to be first class. And then we have worked on a really, really good lineup of uh, artists to perform after after the live viewing. So we're excited about that. Yeah, that is something else. And, you know, it's crazy too those viewing parties. Um, it, it seems like that really is something that people almost are as excited to go to the viewing parties as they are to go to the NFR itself. I mean, it's something that is just like, who, who'd have thunk that that'd be as big as it was? Yeah, it's, it's incredible how many there are. But when you look at the number of people and just what, you know, Thomas and Mac can only accommodate so many. And the, the live viewing experience, when it's done right, I think it's, it is the next best thing. It's, you know, I know they've added concourse passes, tickets 
to uh, to the NFR each night. I think that's one step closer to that actual experience. But the live viewings are really close, and again, done well. I think it's. I think I'm just a. I'm a fan. I'm somebody that lives in Montana, goes to the NFR because I love it. We look for an experience, and so right. you know we're trying to do our part to help create that experience that we, you know brings people back. And honestly, at the end of the day, supports the athletes, the stock contractors, and keep rodeo alive because I think it's a it's an important part of our culture. Steve, can you talk a little bit more about some of the vendors that you have at the um, Rocky Mountain Hunter and Outdoor Christmas Expo? I mean, because there's there's something for everyone, you know. I mean, everybody talks about the the shopping at Cowboy Christmas, but I I think you guys have some things that are very unique from you know guided trips to knives to firearms. I mean, there's yeah, a little bit of everything. Yeah, it has grown. You know, Polaris is one of our anchor tenants. There, they're obviously a large large participant sponsor in rodeo as well. Um, Cinch is another one of our anchor tenants. There, our expo is presented by them. Industry-wise, we have loophole optics, we have browning, um, browning everything. They're known as firearms, but it seems like they produce everything. <laughs> um, and to your point, we have a number of outfitters, really, you know, unique experience, trip opportunities, um, in uh, just a broad array kind of of the hunting and outdoor lifestyle uh, throughout our expo. And you know, it's. It's gotten better and better each year, I think, and we continue to strive for really just that great consumer experience and creating opportunity for our vendors. Do you guys have any youth-focused programs as well? You know, we're actually kind of partnering with Cowboy uh, Christmas this year in Las Vegas events. One of Brian Lynn's brilliant ideas of around the junior finals rodeo will be kind of all of our concerted effort will be focused on a, a youth experience area in there. Within our expo, we have a, a smaller activation, the Total Archery Challenge, or some floppy arrow um, opportunities. Uh, but Sean DeGray with Total Archery Challenge runs a, a youth-focused activity up in the South Falls. If everything's busy over in Central, there's always that opportunity, too. I know that I have spent at least one day's worth of wages when my son goes up there for the Archery <laughs> Challenge. And right. holy cow, can we get a, a discount or something on that? I've been here for you know 40 times yeah, on that. Yeah, we'll, but... we'll get you introduced to Sean. <laughs> It's humbling yeah. too. Like you, you yeah. think you think that you're spot on and your aim's good, but no, that that yeah. thing will it'll humble you in a minute. No, it is good, and I think that that I mean it really is incredible too to see kind of that you know more people that work together, the better it is for everybody on all platforms. And I I personally feel that Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation has been a huge asset um, for the Cowboy Christmas. Yeah, we certainly tried. It's been a, a really great partnership with the city of Las Vegas, Las Vegas events. Um, they really strive to do things in the best way possible. Uh, we we strive for the same. So I think it, it's literally been one of our, certainly my favorite partnerships to work on. Um, it, they've been incredible. And just that whole NFR experience, you have to take your hat off and give a lot of credit to the city of Las Vegas that rolls out the red carpet for all of rodeo uh, for 10 days a year. And I think produces one of the finest events in the country. And again, we're humbled and honored to be a part of that, a very small part of it. Well, we're thankful to have some time with the bull elk himself, uh, Steve Decker. We, we appreciate you being here with us and we look forward to seeing you when you get back here to Vegas. I appreciate it. Looking forward to it. Want to experience more of the NFR? Then visit nfrexperience.com 
And we invite you to subscribe to NFR Extra on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and wherever you're listening right now. If you like what you've heard on NFR Extra, we would love it if you gave us a five-star rating and tell your friends how to subscribe. 